The Lord be with you. We're very glad that you're here for worship today. Um, I just have a few comments about the service and then we're gonna transition into a moment of remembrance. Um, tomorrow, Christians around the world will celebrate Ascension Day. And this is gonna be reflected in our time of worship. We associate Ascension Day with triumphant hymns of celebration, but Christ's Ascension means more than triumph. It also means comfort. It's comforting to know that our flesh and blood in heaven is praying for us. And so we begin this morning in a moment with a song of lament, bringing our wounded hearts to Jesus, who has promised to plead for us. It seems very, very fitting today that we do begin with a song of lament. Eleven days ago, we gathered and lamented a racially motivated shooting in Buffalo, New York. Ten days ago, we gathered to remember a shooting at a Taiwanese congregation worshiping at a Presbyterian church in California. And yesterday, just yesterday, there was a shooting, as we all know, at an elementary school in Texas with 19 children lost and two adults. So these were people going to the grocery store, going to church, and going to school. Sometimes I feel like we've run out of prayers <laughs> and words. So what we're gonna do today is begin with some silence. And you just do whatever you need to do in your heart. And as we have this silence, we've dispersed 21 candles around the congregation, and those 21 individuals are going to come and put a candle of remembrance on the table up front, and then we will have our hymn of lament.
Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen. It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Worthy.
You may be seated. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 22 to 27. Let us now listen for the word of the Lord. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. Not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we have hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs deep, sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit because of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the word of the Lord. One of the ways we can pray is with moans and sighs. We've been doing this uh, in each of our worship services. We've had one song where we've just hummed. And so the song we're going to sing right now is such a song. The choir will sing the verses. Your only job is to sing the textless portion of the song. You've got a melody there, and we invite you to hum, to ooh, to oh along. And I'll say in advance, when we come to the time of communion, uh, Michael's going to be playing uh, hymns that you may know. And we invite you to pray during communion just by humming or ooing along textless, wordless prayers to God.
Good morning. I am so honored to be here today. Thank you to President Barnes, to Ann Hindley, to the Reunion Committee for inviting me to uh, preach for this service. And I'm honored, my name is Cherie Jones, and I'm honored to serve as the Vice Chair of the Alumni Association Executive Council. And I just want to acknowledge all of those who are part of the AAEC. If you could stand, it is my honor and privilege to serve alongside these wonderful people. There is a word from the Lord today. Let us pray. God, I come to you to preach your word, but I cannot do it in my own power. Empty me of anything that is not of you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I might preach your word with power and conviction. I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. When we look back over time, we can see how much things have changed and how much we have changed. Technological advancements have changed the way we communicate. When I was a kid some 40 odd years ago, we had three primary modes of communicating with people. You either spoke in person, you spoke on the phone, or you wrote a letter. Today, talking face-to-face -face could be in person, or it could be on FaceTime or Zoom. Today, you can still write a letter, but nowadays, people are more likely to write an email, or better yet, send a text message. And in a text message, people oftentimes don't even write words. <laughs> they just send emojis. A hand emoji means someone is saying hello, a sunshine emoji means they're saying good morning. A sleepy face with Z's means good night. But we also use emojis to express how we feel. A laughing emoji with tears means we are cracking up. A googly-eyed emoji with poked out tongue means we feel silly. A face with smoke coming from the top of the head means someone just blew your mind. <laughs> A smiley face with hearts means you feel loved. A red face means you're really angry, and a green face means you probably shouldn't eat last night's pizza for breakfast. <laughs> and is it me, or did you mistake that brown swirly emoji for a Hershey's kiss or a chocolate ice cream? <laughs> Only to find out that it really is poop. And can we be honest and say that there are days when we feel more like that brown emoji than a Hershey's kiss? Emojis have enabled us to express ourselves without using words. But the metaverse doesn't have a patent on wordless expressions. The Holy Spirit did it first. In his letter to the Roman church, the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8.26, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groaning that cannot be expressed in words. Paul understood that there are times in life when we are so overwhelmed, so overworked, so overstimulated, and so over it that we no longer have the words to express our feelings, let alone have the words to pray. Look at the world today, two years of living under the threat of coronavirus, and there's still no sign of it being over, really. When will it be over? 
Am I the only one who's tired of talking about COVID-19 and the vaccine? Am I the only one tired of debating should we wear a mask or not? Am I the only one tired of listening to people from the postal worker to the president talking about what's, what it's going to take to get back to normal? There's nothing normal about what we are going through today. There's nothing normal about leaving this chapel yesterday afternoon to discover that 19 elementary school children and two adults were killed by a lone gunman at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. But it has become our new normal. Every week it seems we hear about another mass shooting in this country. Do you know that in the 23 years since the Columbine High School shooting in 1999, that there have been 230 school shootings? That's an average of 10 per year. But that does not, that does not include the countless mass shootings that have taken place outside of schools, all in places that one would think we are safe, like a subway train station a supermarket, a post office, a marathon, a nightclub, a concert, and even a church. What can we say to this? Do we continue to quote scripture? If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal the land? Do we continue to fast and pray and pray and fast some more? Full disclosure, my head is spinning from the enormity and the quantity and the frequency of the infestation of evil that has permeated the culture of this country. It's almost business as usual. Aren't we all bewildered and befuddled, confused and conflicted, distraught and despondent? exasperated and empty? How do we continue to pray when we don't know what to say? What prayer can we pray that we haven't already prayed? What can we say that we haven't already said? There are no words that will make this make sense. There are no words that will comfort the bereaved. There are no words to justify the injustice. We are speechless. How do we speak to the void? We have exhausted our vocabulary. And maybe there are no audible words that can be said. Deep calls to deep and it's time for the Holy Spirit to speak. In my book, Lord You Know, it's a book of three word prayers and I offered the words, I am speechless, as a simple yet honest prayer because sometimes there are no words. And I reflect on the wordlessness of prayer in the African-American tradition and I want to share it with you now. You see, I grew up in a Black Baptist church where we had devotion before the start of every service. 
And this time was designated for singing and testimonials. The congregation was invited to lift up songs that were on their hearts and to give testimonies of the goodness of Jesus. The elders loved to sing those good old hymns from the red hymnal. They sang without music, Martin, just the stomping of their feet and the clapping of their hands. And at some point in the song, they would stop singing and start humming. And when I inclined my ear to hear more clearly, I realized they were not necessarily humming to the tune of the song, but humming from the depths of their souls. Their eyes would be closed tightly and their humming would then shift to praying. They prayed with unbridled emotion, crying out to God for provision, for protection, and for healing. They poured out their hearts in thanksgiving for their many blessings. However, at some point in the midst of their prayers, they would oftentimes start humming and moaning again. And the tenor of their moans reverberated throughout the sanctuary, expressing a well of emotions in wordless, potent sounds. And as a young girl, I didn't fully understand what was happening because it seemed out of this world to me. To my novice eyes and ears, it almost seemed like they were transported to a spiritual plane for seasoned prayer warriors only. Those moans weren't just haphazard noises. There was significant meaning behind the moaning. And even now, I can only assume to know what those inarticulate moans meant. But the Bible tells us that God is able to interpret them with ease. Sometimes we don't have the words to fully express what's on our hearts. And all we can do is moan. Our grief or pain may be so great that we, all we can do is cry. All we can do is hug ourselves and rock back and forth and just moan until the vibrations reach heaven. And I imagine the families in Texas and Buffalo may be doing that very same thing. They may not be able to utter a word. All they can do is wail, whimper, or moan. And that's okay because God knows. God knows what's on their hearts and understands their moaning. I'm comforted by the fact that when we are overwhelmed with the issues of life and can't seem to find the words to express our thoughts, our feelings, our fears, and our hopes, the Holy Spirit steps in to pray on our behalf. I can't tell if in those moments we are groaning within ourselves or if it's the Holy Spirit groaning within us. Is the Holy Spirit converting our silence into groaning? Is the Holy Spirit translating our groaning into words? Is our groaning a heavenly language in and of itself? Depending on the circumstance, all of these things may be true. And at the heart of it, we know that the Holy Spirit voices our concerns to God when we can't articulate them for ourselves, 
And there are times when a sound says more than words could ever say. A growl, a moan, a groan speaks volumes. They convey a message of lament, of longing, of deep suffering. And like the, haunt, the uh, haunting howl of a wounded animal or the somber sob from a bad toothache or the solemn sigh of someone who's been given a fatal diagnosis or the courtroom chaos when a defendant's been dealt a life sentence or the melancholy moans of parents who've lost their children too soon. A moan or a groan is all we can muster. But this text assures us that whether our prayers are verbal or visceral, God hears us and God understands. Similar to a parent who can distinguish their baby's hungry cry from the wet diaper cry, God is able to interpret our unintelligible cries. And here we see the intimate connection between the Holy Spirit and God, our Father. The Holy Spirit dwells within our hearts and tunes our silent prayers to a spiritual frequency that is not audible to the human ear. Our spirit-assisted groaning reaches God's ear, which is always entuned, which is always inclined to hear our hearts cry. And once we give it to God, we leave it with God, it is no longer our burden to bear. And we may feel powerless when dealing with life on life's terms, but power doesn't belong to us. Power belongs to God. We serve a God who has the power to turn our mourning into dancing. God who has the power to turn our rain into sunshine. God who has the power to turn our sour into sweet. God who has the power to turn our sadness into joy. God who has the power to turn our loneliness into love. God who has the power to turn our despair into hope. COVID may have some power, but it doesn't have all power. Those rogue shooters may have firepower, but they don't have all power. Gun lobbyists may have political power, but they don't have all power. Jesus rose from the grave declaring, I have all power in my hands. And so we put our trust in the omnipotent one. We hope for what we do not see. And with long suffering, we wait for the day to come when the wicked shall cease from troubling and the weary shall be at rest. And while we wait, we are speechless, but we know that God will have the final say. God bless you.
Speak to my heart, Holy Spirit, give me the words that will bring new life. Words on the wings of the morning, the dark night will fade away if you speak to my heart. Speak to my heart, Holy Spirit, a message of love to encourage me. Lifting my heart from despair, how you love me and care for me. Speak to my heart. Speak to my heart. Speak to my heart. Lord, speak to my heart. Speak to my heart. Speak to my heart, Lord. Give me your holy word. If I can hear from you, then I'll know what to do. I won't go alone. I'll never go on my own. Just let your spirit guide and let your word abide. Speak to my heart, Lord. Give me your holy word. If I can hear from you, then I'll know what to do. I won't go alone. I'll never go on my own. Just let your spirit guide and let your word abide. Speak to my heart, Lord. Give me your holy word. If I can hear from you, then I know what to do. I won't go alone. I'll never go on my own. Just let your spirit guide and let your word abide. Speak to my heart, Lord. Give me your holy word. For if I can hear from you, then I know what to do. I won't go alone. I'll never go on my own. Just let your spirit guide and let your word abide. Speak to my heart. 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 Amen. Thank you, Donnie. Friends, we come to this table and we remember. We remember memories that we made in this space as students, 
and we remember memories we've made all across this campus over the last two and a half days. We remember that it is far better to be loved than necessary. We remember the friends we've seen here in these pews and the friends that we've missed, that we long for, that we wish were worshiping with us, beside us. We remember lessons learned and inspiring Bible studies. We remember insights gleaned through provocative affinity workshops. And we remember the distinct before and after we experienced before and after our keynote. Friends, we remember our interdependence. We remember at this table that we belong to God and we belong to each other. And what a holy gift that is. Friends, as we come to this table, we also remember that it is Jesus's table. This is not Princeton Seminary's table. This is Jesus's table, and Jesus welcomes all of us. So friends, as we come and prepare our hearts for this feast, I invite you to turn to your bulletins and join me in the great prayer of thanksgiving. The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. God, it is indeed good and right to praise you. Lord of all creation, we are yet again in awe of the beauty and the majesty of this world that you have created. We also lament with sighs too deep for words all of the ways in which we still see a broken world. God, for the ways in which you intercede with silence, with your own tears, with your presence that dwells in this space and every space. God, we give you thanks. We ask for your healing. We ask as broken people for this table, for this meal to make us whole. God, we ask this as we pray the prayer that your son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
church. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after giving thanks to God, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, pouring it out, saying, This is the new covenant, sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Do this also in remembrance of me. For as often, friends, as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's saving death until Jesus comes again. Friends, these are the gifts of God for each and every one of us, for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Friends, I am now going to invite our communion servers to come forward for communion. And I will share with you that the bread that we have is all gluten-free. We are also only serving juice, not wine. So we hope that you will receive these elements from God with gratitude and our gratitude for your presence among us. If you could come forward by going through the center aisle and then returning by the side aisle, that will help traffic control. <laughs> Friends, the feast is ready. Let us come.
Will you please pray with me? God most high, we have lifted our hearts to you and this joyful meal of our risen Lord. Continue to sustain us with your power and draw us into your presence so that we may feast with you in glory, the wedding of heaven and earth, through Christ who lives and reigns forever. Amen. Please rise as you are able for our closing hymn. so glad you're still standing, and as you might notice, I'm not inviting you to sit just yet. It is my distinct honor to serve beside you 
as one of Princeton Seminary's alumni. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for being here. Thank you for the incarnational witness that you are to me and to so many others. Thank you to our class leaders. We have 50 class leaders. Please give them a hand. We have 15 Alumni Association Executive Council members who have been working alongside me all year long. Um, so please also thank them. I want you to be standing because I'm acknowledging all of you. <laughs> I also um, really want everyone to know that we have members from the class of 1957 celebrating. <laughs> Clarence, will you raise your hand? Clarence is a... Are there any other members of the class of 57 who are in this room? If so, raise your hand. Well, I know that there are people also worshiping from the class of 57 and many other classes online, and we see you and we celebrate your 65th anniversary with you. We celebrate all of you, and we are deeply grateful that you're here. Thank you to our students, the 10 student workers who have been working this whole time. Thank you to digital media who has made all of this possible. Thank you to our photographer, Kevin, whom I promised I would not forget. To be clear, he didn't ask me to thank him, but I am thanking you <laughs> because we are really grateful that you've captured this meaningful time together in ways we couldn't without you. We also want to invite you after this to take a photo on the steps of the chapel. So please don't leave the chapel steps. There are some seats on the very first row. Um, so if you need to sit down, please sit down. Um, and if you don't, please remain standing and Kevin will direct you. Um, thank you to our chapel team. <laughs> Martin, Melissa, <laughs> Melissa, who I believe is joining us online, Jan, Michael, all of you, it is just, you make magic happen here, and we are really grateful. Thank you to our preacher, Cherie Jones, one more time. And thank you to Dr. Reverend Dr. David Lattimore, our newly appointed director of the Betsy Stockton Center for Black Church Studies, who has an announcement. 
Family, as we conclude our time together, we warmly invite you to come and join us on the quad for the closing luncheon and our celebration of the renaming of the formerly Center for Black Church Studies to the Betsy Stockton Center for Black Church Studies. So following the photograph, please join us on the quad for a meal and a moment of celebration. Family, our hearts are heavy. This is a time of uncertainty, but we do find comfort in knowing that when we don't have the words, the Holy Spirit does. And we put our hope and our trust in the one who has all power. We put our hope and trust in Jesus Christ. Now may the love of God, the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit, rest, rule, and abide with you, God's people, both now and forevermore. Let the church say, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Peace of God be with you.